You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Seven of his sons passed by Samuel. Each one, God said, no, not him, not him, not him. And if you know the story, Samuel then says to it, Jesse, are these all your children? Are these all your sons? Well, I got one more, but the youngest, nobody expected him to be in the running. They left him to watch the sheep. And when young David comes in, the Lord speaks and says, he's the one. Get out your flask, anoint him. He's the one. Most least likely. The story of David, along with so many others found throughout Scripture, shows us God's tendency to pick the least likely candidates to carry out His will. You look at the people like Moses, Rahab, David, and every one of the original 12 disciples, and this character of God is further emphasized. As Pastor Danny will point out, if God can use those meritless people simply because of their faith, then He can use you, not because of your abilities or talents, but because of His power and wisdom. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter three with today's edition of The Living Word. We have the greatest message, the only message that can save somebody's soul. There's only one name, Jesus Christ, and only one message, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the only message that can give anybody hope beyond this life, and we have it. But I know what some people are thinking. I know. I just don't don't feel up to the task. That's what some are thinking. I'll just invite him to church. And people tell me, I mean, I can't believe these people show up week after week after week to hear a big mouth like me stand here. But evidently, evidently God has given me some kind of gift to communicate, which is incredible to me. It's really incredible. And some are thinking, well, I'll just invite him to church and you preach to him. And there's nothing wrong with inviting him to church. And I, and I will, I will if they come and, and, in God's will, you know, we'll share the gospel. We don't share the gospel every single weekend because the, the church, we believe, is for the believers to grow and to mature. And as Pastor Chuck used to say, help these sheep naturally reproduce. But I know what some are thinking. I don't feel adequate. I feel like I'll mess it up. I'll bring them to church. I'll invite them to church, and, and you preach to them. And there's nothing wrong with, with thinking that way. But if that's, if that's the only way you think, What if they don't come to church? What if they don't come to an Easter service? What if they don't come to a Christmas service? There's some people that won't come. I don't care where we hold it. There are people in your world. If you're feeling, if you're thinking, I just don't know if I'm up for it. I got good news and bad news. I gave you the good news first. 
The good news is you're exactly the kind of person God is looking for. The bad news is you didn't want to hear that. You're thinking, I don't feel adequate. You're thinking, I don't feel like I can do this. Then you're just the person that God is looking for. Look at the next verse. Chapter 4, verse 13. Don't miss this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. (laughs) That's one of the funniest things in the whole Bible. You say, why is that funny? The word unschooled, it literally means illiterate. It means somebody having little or no education. That's what these Jewish leaders look at Peter and John. They said, these guys are are just illiterate. They're just unschooled. But the second word, this one, I'll give you the Greek word and let you guess what English word we get from it. They are unschooled ordinary, but the Greek word is this. They are ordinary, idiotis. He looked at him and said, these guys are illiterate idiots. And they were astonished. They were astonished. It's both encouraging and in some ways it stings. When I read verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, believers... Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Doesn't say not any, not many. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. There's the sting. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. That make you feel real important, won't it? It is what it is. You don't feel up to it? Some of you know my story. I'm sorry, you're going to hear part of it again. You talk about not feeling up to it. Yeah. 19 years old, I give my life to Christ. He leads me within a few months to Christian college. I leave South Carolina, I end up in Virginia. I went as a physical education major. I thought maybe as a PE coach or some, somehow in sports, God could use sports, and that would be my means to share Christ. Even though I was a PE major, physical education major, they said there's still certain classes you're required to take if you're going to graduate. And one of those, my first semester, was speech class. I almost got in my Plymouth cricket, thank God they don't make those cars anymore, and drove back to South Carolina. I was encouraged though. They got me with the speech teacher. He encouraged me and somehow I got through that class. It was terrifying. I'm talking terrifying and I'm not being dramatic. The first book I ever read was my second time through 11th grade in high school. Knowing, feeling that people like me were never going to go to college, they required us in high school, my 11th grade, second time through, to go to DO class, DO class. 
stands for diversified occupations. And what they taught us in that class basically was how to fill out a job application and how not to dress in going to a job interview and what to say and what not to say. It was just those practical things. It was a boring class. My friend Harold DuBose sat in front of me, and because the class was so boring, Harold brought a book, not the class textbook. He brought a book, and he's reading every day, and he's filling me in, summarizing me on what's happening in this book, and it sounded exciting. He said, when I finish the book, I'll let you read it. So in just a few days, he finished the book during the EO class. He gave it to me, and I started reading it, and I had mixed feelings when I finished the book. I was so elated because it was the first book I had ever read. I had never read a book from front to back. And I was elated because I had, I had read my first book, 11th grade, second time through. And I was disappointed because the story was over now. The book, Jaws. <laughs> Before the movie ever came out. First book I ever read, 11th grade, second time through. Go back with me now. Survive speech class somehow. But I'll never forget also that first week, Pauline epistles, just the reading assignment alone that was to be completed Tuesday to the next class Thursday. I was to read, I don't know how many chapters in the textbook and then read a certain assignment of scripture. That was just one class. Had a whole bunch of classes. I was overwhelmed. Again, I felt, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to make it. I am never going to be able to do this. That's enough of my stories. You feel inadequate? You're just the person God's looking for. You're just the person God wants to use. I love the stories in the Bible. I love stories like Judges chapter 6, you know, when God calls Gideon to deliver Israel from the ravaging of the Midianites, the angel of the Lord. That is Christ before he became Jesus. You find him all throughout the Old Testament. He shows up time and time again, the angel of the Lord. He shows up, Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord comes and greets him. He says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's anything but a mighty warrior, but God sees what he will become if he responds by faith, by faith. Gideon says, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Story after story like that. Remember King David, second king of Israel? First one, Saul, didn't work out too well. God sends Samuel to the home of Jesse to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. Samuel sees the oldest, the firstborn, Eliab. He must have been tall and handsome and impressive. And God says, nah, I haven't chosen him. And then he tells Samuel, don't you look on the outward appearance. That's not the way I choose. That's not the way I judge. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Seven of his sons passed by Samuel. Each one, God said, no, not him, not him, not him. And if you know the story, Samuel then says to Jesse, are these all your children? Are these all your sons? Well, I got one more, but the youngest, nobody expected him to be in the running. They left him to watch the sheep. And when young David comes in, the Lord speaks and says, he's the one. 
Get it out your flask. Anoint him. He's the one. Most least likely. I remember Jerry Falwell saying, as one of those nuggets I took with me and still with me now, he said, God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Acts chapter 4, the Jewish leaders, verse 14, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. It's a message for another day. The incredible hardness of these Jewish leaders' hearts with so much undeniable evidence to the truth. Not only what Jesus said, not only what he did, but his death, burial, resurrection, and now miracles continuing in his name. And yet they will refuse to acknowledge him as Messiah and receive him as their Lord. Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people... We must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is their Supreme Court. You imagine standing before the Supreme Court, you and your peer, Peter, John, and the Supreme Court says, no longer can you proclaim, teach or preach in the name of Jesus. That's what happened to these guys. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old, and they all knew him. Don't miss the last few verses. Hang with me. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. So they go back to the church. That's their people, the church. When they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Then they quote scripture. Why do the nations rage? The people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants, here's the crux of their prayer, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. How cool is that? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again and spoke the word of God boldly. Fear is natural. Fear is a natural emotion. The only way to overcome fear is by faith. We all know what it is to fear. Even some of God's greatest servants. I don't know a greater New Testament servant than the Apostle Paul. On the day he got saved, God 
communicated to him through a man named Ananias how much he would suffer for the name of Jesus. And he did suffer much. He suffered. And there were times he felt weak. In the letter to the church at Ephesus, here's what Paul requested. In his closing remarks, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. He says it again, pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul was no different than us. He felt the same pain. Book of Acts records in one occasion, one of his last trips into Jerusalem, riot broke out and they were going to they were, they were, the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers were concerned that the crowd was going to tear Paul from limb to limb. And if the soldiers had not intervened and arrested Paul, found out what was going on, he would have been pulled apart limb from limb. And right after that, while he's in that jail, right after that experience, the Lord appears to him. And in encouraged him, encouraged him, encouraged him. And we all need it. We all need it. God repeatedly said to his servants, don't fear. Why? Because fear of man will prove to be a snare. It will hold you down. It will hold you back. It will keep you from stepping out for God and with God, moving on. God said to Moses, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. The bad dude kings he would encounter, the vast armies he would face. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He said to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous twice in just a few verses. Joshua then said to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy chapter 20 is God's requirements character qualities for those that would join his army. He does not draft. You have to enlist. It's a volunteer army. He does not draft. First character quality mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 20, you know what it is? Courage. Courage. He even says in verse 8, the priest shall say to the people, and then the commander shall say, reiterate, if anybody's afraid, Let him go home or he'll influence others to cower. Gideon, back to Gideon for just a minute. He calls out to the Israelites, 32,000 men respond. They say, we'll go with you to fight against the Midianites. So he has a 32,000 man army. God says, that's too many. Go tell them. If anybody's afraid, you can go home. Gideon gets up and says to the 32,000, God says, anybody that's afraid, you don't have to go. You can go home. 22,000 went home. 22,000. Very interesting verse in 2 Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Now, with that thought, If we're to be in God's army, who's the commanding officer? You can write it down if you want. I'm not going to turn to it. Joshua chapter 5, Israel crosses the Red uh, the, 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 the Jordan, just like they crossed the Red Sea, God poured it part of the waters miraculously, and they're on the other side. The first stop 
in the promised land, the first place of victory would be Jericho. But after the crossing, before the victory at Jericho, interesting figure comes up with a drawn sword in his hand and he stands before Joshua. Joshua says to him, are you for us or for our enemies? And this, this figure says, neither, but as commander of the Lord's army, I have come. Take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground. That means this is God. This is the angel of the Lord. This again is Christ. And in Revelation 19, here's the way it ends. Verse 11, John says, I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe, dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Verses before that tell us that fine linen, white and clean was given to the saints. It is representative of their righteous acts. I have no doubt The armies that are following Christ here is you and me. And I can't wait to get on that horse. My God's a warrior. Numbers chapter 21 mentions the book. We don't know where the book is, probably in heaven. But it's the book of the wars of the Lord. He's never lost a battle. He'll never lose a war. The commander of his army is Jesus Christ. And he's called you and me to enlist, to enlist. It's a volunteer army. And you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to have courage. On one occasion, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets come back from the dead. Who do you say? And then Peter. Peter boldly declares, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Oh, my father in heaven. And on this rock, Peter's declaration, not Peter, Peter's declaration on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are not to be on the defensive. We are to be on the offensive. Peter writes this, Peter, before you start to read it, listen, this is Peter. The same Peter who after boldly declaring, even if all these others fall away, I never will. I will die with you. And Jesus said this very night, Before the cock crows, you'll deny three times that you know me. Peter failed. I know failure. I won't get into that. I know failure. I know times I've had the opportunity to be a bold witness for Christ, and I have not been. I have not been. And I pastor a church. But Peter would learn. He would write, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal. However, if you suffer as a Christian, 
Don't be ashamed. Praise God that you bear that name. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Acts on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Media tab and click on Sermons. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we would love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are staying at home or living further away. So please don't let proximity to our campus stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Acts right here on The Living Word.